Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? So we're in the middle of this hot seat series, and we have been dealing with some hot topics. And it's good, because the Holy Spirit is at work. There is no denying that the Holy Spirit is at work, because when the Holy Spirit is at work, it addresses tough situations, situations that the world talks about, topics that the world talks about, and the Holy Spirit goes and convicts and shapes us into what we need to be. And so today we will be dealing with another hot seat topic. I'm going to be honest with you, I thought that this Sunday was going to be the last topic that I would cover, and I would be like, thank you, Jesus. Because I ain't going to be, I'm going I'm to be completely honest, this has been very tough. I have had to go into it very prayed up and covered by the blood of Jesus and going to Him on the spiritual battle because spiritual warfare happens still to this day. And I knew going into this series that I had to have a sword on my hip, so to speak, like Nehemiah and his warriors had a sword on their hips as they rebuilt the wall. My sword isn't a physical sword, but it's a sword of the Spirit the sword of truth that I had to go and, and fight the battle of spiritual warfare with. And I, I uh, turned to several of you and asked for y'all to pray during this, and I encourage y'all to continue to do so because Satan isn't happy. Satan isn't happy. Whenever we encounter the spiritual warfare, it's because Satan's not happy. When we, were going, when we are going the direction that we're supposed to go as a church, you are going to go up against walls in the spiritual realm. And that's exactly what we have been doing. And I'm not turning back. I'm not fleeing. Even though there is a spirit that's at work, and I believe it's a spirit that's at work this morning, I'm not fleeing. And I'm going to name the spirit that's at work this morning. It's a spirit that's been a, a part uh, all the way to the Old Testament, even to John's revelation. It's a spirit that Elijah ran from. The spirit of Jezebel that rests in this world, and we're attacking it today. And I'm not fleeing. We're attacking it dead on and saying, you are not welcome here. You are not allowed here in Jesus' name. The spirit that says that it's okay. It's okay. No, the spirit of God says, no, it's not. It's conviction. And we're going to get rid of it in Jesus' name. And so today we're going to be talking about a tough topic relationships you're like that's a tough topic yes it is marriage relationships sex those type things are tough topics that we tend to tiptoe around in our church but we need to go and address it in jesus name because if we refuse to take on these tough topics and we address situations that goes on in our world guess who's going to address them the world. The world is already talking about it. 
And we need to talk about it. So to lighten the mood, because I know it's heavy in here this morning, I figure I'll talk about marriage a little bit. So a husband noticed his wife had a, just her hearing was starting to deteriorate. Uh, and he decided that he was going to go to his doctor for some advice. You know, sometimes our wives have trouble hearing. So he went to the doctor and he said, okay, can you give me some advice? And so the doctor said, okay, here's some advice that I will give you. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't speak to your, my wife directly, he says to the doctor, uh, because I'm afraid she'll get offended because they were already up in years, you know, up in age. And so, you know, you don't want to go to your wife and say, you know, you're getting old, honey. You're starting to lose your hearing. That's some wise counselor right there. Take note, man. Uh, So the doctor said, okay, I got a simple trick. What I want you to do, I want you to simply go and ask her a question, but do it at some distance. So maybe she's at the kitchen counter and you come in and you're, you know, good ways away from her. Ask her a simple question. So he said, okay, I'll do that. So he got home and he sees his wife and he's, you know, a good distance away. So he says, what's for dinner, honey? What's for dinner, honey? Nothing. So he's like, okay. He goes a little closer, trying to determine where the distance is that she can actually hear him. So he gets a little closer. What's for dinner, honey? Still nothing. Goes a little closer, inches closer to her. What's for dinner, honey? Still nothing. So then at this point, he is right up to her. And he says, what's for dinner, honey? And she says, for the fourth time, we are having chicken tonight. (laughs) Now, you know what they say about husbands and their selective hearing. I don't know because I don't listen. (laughs) Now, marriage, you know, we, marriage is great. Uh, It really is. It's It's a blessing. It is a gift from God. Uh, but in marriage, God wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. Not our best, not what the world says is our best, but God's best for us in marriage. And so during this week, I've been researching some, and I was like, I'm going to just do a little, little experiment. So I decided I'm going to turn to Amazon, which Amazon is where I order a lot of my book, books from. If you've been in my office uh, you can see that I love to read. I love books. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to search, and I search marriage. I'm going to see how many books out there are on marriage. Marriage. Marriage books. 200,000 books are out there on marriage. Wow. That's a bunch of books. I was like, okay, I'm going to go a little further. Let's look up dating. Dating. My, my, kid, my girls are, are wanting to date. Y'all, y'all pray for me. There is 100,000 books on dating out there. It's like, okay, we're dealing with, with marriage. We're dealing with dating. We, you know, uh, a part of that is you know, attractions. You know, attractions to one another. So I, I decided to look up attractions. There is 90,000 books out there for attractions. So I have a, a, an idea now. 
you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, when my girls can date and get married and things like that. So I got an idea. Whenever you, my kids, my girls especially, can read all these books, then they can date. <laughs> what do y'all think? That seems fair. I mean, I used to say 33, that they can start dating and get married at the age of 33. You ask why? Well, Jesus was 33, and he never married. If it worked for Jesus, it works for me. Okay, I'm just kidding. Failing is like, this just isn't fair. This is not fair. <laughs> yeah, she's defending herself. I'm just kidding. Actually, if we're going to be honest with, about it, I think that we wait too long. I think that we live in a culture that we have to go to college after you know, high school and all these different things that's placed on kids that they wait too long and that they give in to their youthful passions. And I think that in some cases, not all cases of course, but in some cases, I would advise the, the couple to, to get married. I mean, used to, we would get married at a lot younger age, in our teens, not wait until our 20s. Now, of course... That's with wise counsel, though. We don't want to just go with the wind on that. And so today, I want to, to talk about marriage, God's best for us. God wants what's best for each and every one of us. And I am going to speak to you with grace and truth and share with you that I'm sharing this because I didn't always choose God's best in my life. I stumbled, I fell. I gave in to my youthful passions. I did those type things. And I, won't, I don't want anybody else to make those same decisions, those same mistakes. But even if you were like me and you made mistakes, there is grace, there is mercy, and God can redeem anything. He did it in my life, and I believe He can do it in your life. And so first point, if you're taking notes, God's best is holy and whole. God's best is holy and whole. We turn to Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 27 through 31. It says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I am giving you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every uh, tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. Everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it, um, it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. See, God's best is holy and whole. God blessed them in the garden. God blessed uh, man and woman. God blessed husband and wife. God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed them. He set them apart. He said, you are holy. 
It is perfect. Like this is before the fall of man. This is before sin entered the world. It was perfect. It was whole. They were told to, they had responsibility, that they were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and had you know, dominion and those type things. And God saw everything that He had made. And on many of those days of creation, He said, and this is good. But on this particular day, He said, it is very good. See, God's plan is perfect. God knows what's best for you and I. And God knows what is holy and whole. And I know many of you are saying, well, I'm not married. How does that apply to me? In our culture, we tend to emphasize on marriage. And I'm here to tell you that singleness is just as much godliness. Paul was single. He actually advised some to, to be single. And I believe that there's some in our culture that they're following the desires of the world to just get married whenever I believe that they're called to singleness. That God wants to set them apart for singleness. And that is completely okay. We have aunts in our family and uncles, you know, that, that are single. And it's okay. It's okay to be single. And so where the world says that you must get married, 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 I'm saying some people are set apart to be single, and that's okay as well. So I want to emphasize that before we go any further. But in marriage, which marriage is a beautiful, beautiful thing, something that we can all learn from, whether you're married now or not, you can still learn from marriage. Actually, marriage is, is something that Jesus uses to communicate his relationship with us, the church. Marriage is beautiful. And I believe that the best thing that we can show our kids and our grandkids is a godly marriage. They can see a godly marriage. When you show your kids that they aren't the center of your life, you're showing them Christ. When you're saying, hey, I'm not the center of my life, you're not the center of my life, that Jesus is the center of my life, you are teaching them. When you show them how to love your spouse like Christ loved the church, then you are teaching them what it's like to be in relationships. May we show our kids what sacrificial love looks like. May we show them what it looks like to serve well. And I don't know about you, but we need more godly marriages in this world. If we have more godly marriages, then we would see more godly churches. If we see more godly churches, we would see a much more godly world. It starts with us. I want to say it starts in the home, but really it starts right here. It starts in your heart. Make Jesus the center of your life, and he will restore what is holy. He will restore what is whole. Second point, as God's best is to leave and cleave. God's best is to leave and cleave. In Genesis, 20, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, Therefore uh, shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one. Another way to put it is that they should leave their father and mother and hold fast to each other. And they shall be one flesh. 
And so a little parenting 101 here is that we are not called to raise kiddults. Kiddults are 30-somethings still living at home. That is becoming the norm of our day, but we are not called to do that. Actually, we're not called to be best friends with our kids. I see a lot of parents is like, ah, I'm best friends with my kids. My call isn't to be best friends with my kids. My call is to love them, but to raise them up to be adults, respectful, God-honoring adults that are law-abiding citizens, not to raise them to go and veg out and live in my basement and play video games for the rest of their lives. Just being honest here, I'm seeing what the culture has allowed and accepted, and that is not the norm. Parents, that is not the norm. Kids, that is not the norm. Don't strive to be that. Strive to be greater. Marriage 101, become husband and wife. We are to leave our parents. We are to grow up. We are to get jobs. We are to raise family. The two become one. Jesus said that in Matthew. He said and quoted Genesis. said, leave your father and mother and hold fast to your wife. Of course, when we think about this teaching that was in Genesis, who did it originate with? Where did that teaching come from? From God. Jesus was God. So he was there in the beginning teaching it. He instilled it into us. Paul goes on, and even in his teaching, he emphasized this. This teaching isn't just some new idea. This is something that has been ingrained from the creation of the world. So stop modeling our marriages after the world, and let's start modeling after Jesus Christ. Another thing that you see in, in the world is cohabitation. It's very high right now. I have friends that um, they decide to live together before marriage. Many of them are, are young and some of them are old, but they choose to live together because they have seen the way marriage has played out in this world. They have seen fallen marriages after another from their grandparents to their parents, all throughout their past, they see how it's fallen apart and they choose to not marry and just to live together. The reality is, is your marriage is really a relationship. You are married to one another just without vows. Jesus would say that you, are, you have a husband, you have a wife just without vows, which truly doesn't honor God. And I don't know about you, but I want to honor God. And marriage isn't something that we should treat like a rental car. I'm just going to try it out, see if it works out. Marriage is a commitment to one another. The two become one. Let's go a little deeper than that. The two become one. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 16. It says, Do you not know that he who joins to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Basically, they're saying that 
this, this bond that we, we have, and you know, if you're living together, you're sleeping together. Like it's, it's a reality. You can't share one's bed and just like, you know, we're going to put a pillow there. Like it don't work that way, okay? And the reality is, is if that encounter happens, then really you're already one flesh because of the action, but you don't have the vows. Therefore, you don't have the blessing of God over that marriage, over that commitment. And Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and he calls her, calls out her sin. He speaks truth to her and says, speaking of her husband, and she, she questions him. He says, yeah, you're right. You have five husbands because of that very real revelation is that even though the vows aren't there, you can still become one flesh. And God wants to bless, God wants to restore, and God wants you to honor this commitment. And so we are called to leave and to cleave to one another, to leave and to hold fast to one another. God's best is also to wait and mate. God's best is to wait and mate. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexual, immoral, and adulterous. See, the marriage bed is set apart. It is set apart. Used to people, whenever they would go off on their honeymoon, this is how much the wedding bed was set apart. That they would go and they would send back the sheets, the dirty sheets to their parents to show that they were sexually pure up until their marriage like used to we used to honor these commitments but i'm afraid that our culture has been following off and doing all kinds of things but we are called to be different we are called to be set apart and so the wedding bed should be set apart you've heard true love waits and i truly believe that and i i regret this is one of my greatest regrets is not being able to look at my wife Hannah on our wedding night and say I was sexually pure. That I waited for her. It's something I have to live with. Of course, God forgave me of those past. And I don't want anybody else to make that mistake. Now, God restored my relationship. He wiped away my sin. It wasn't the God's best for my life, of course. But then he made me whole and he made me fall in love with a beautiful woman. And we, we do have a godly marriage. And it's one that I want to model to my kids. They know, hey, I am not perfect. I was not perfect. Their mom was not perfect. But we know the perfect one who restores our lives, who restores our relationships and can also restore marriages. And so sex before marriage is not something that should be the norm, but yet I believe that it's become the norm in our, our day and age. And what I teach people is this. Satan wants to still kill and destroy. He wants to still kill and destroy. And so what he wants to do is to coax you into sleeping together before marriage, before you take those vows. That is exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to give in. 
But here's what I want to teach you too, is that once you get married, he will, he will try to do the opposite. He wants you not to sleep together. He wants you not to enjoy sex. He wants you to see it as something dirty. But it is beautiful. It is set apart for marriage. And whenever you are in marriage, it is a beautiful thing. In those vows, it is a beautiful thing that God honors and God blesses. And God wants to bless each and every one of us. Now they say hindsight is twenty twenty. I can look back and see how I made mistakes. I can see how whenever I was you know, 17 and I was with a girl and my parents were per- pretty loose when it comes to parenting and they allowed me to go over to her house and I would spend the night with her and guess what? We slept together. I can look back and I see where my dad, you know, would not always be the perfect example and and he allowed me to watch pornography whenever I was over at his house on the weekends. Like those are things that are are you know in my past and God redeemed. Those are mistakes that I made and many of us I believe have made some of the same mistakes. Hindsight is 2020. But I believe that God can redeem it. That God can take it and use it. Many of you probably think, why does he keep saying that? This is my story. My story has been used to, to reach people. And God wants to use your story to reach other people. There's people that I believe here today have been struggling. That they have been hurt. They are struggling. There's people who have given in to their, their desires, their sexual desires. And God wants to redeem those and restore those. And he wants you to turn to His best. Most marriages struggle and some fail as a result of not keeping God at the center. To not keeping Jesus as the focus. You want better relationships, you want better marriage, you want better love, then turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you feel defeated. Turn to Jesus. I remember when I was 17, I had doubts. How could God forgive me who used to take advantage of, of, of girls, who would go and had so much addictions and, and would go and party and do all kinds of foolish things in my youth? How could God redeem me? Don't live in that guilt. Turn to Jesus. And he will take that and he will throw that into the depths of the sea. He will live inside of you and restore you into right relationship with the Father. And he will go even deeper than that. And he will send you out to go and be a witness here in this community and to wherever you go. Maybe you're in an adulterous relationship right now. May you turn to God. And ask for forgiveness. Maybe your marriage failed. God can heal your heart. God can heal your heart. And God can heal and transform your life. Maybe you miss your marriage. Maybe your loved one is already gone. May you think back and hold on to those positive things. And may you turn to Jesus 
in the midst of your grief as well. Maybe you're thinking about your past and asking how in the world can God redeem it. I'm here to tell you, if God can redeem my past, He can redeem yours as well. And so may we turn to Jesus in this moment. God is a a God that brings hope. Can anybody attest to that? That He restored hope in your very life. God can redeem you. Whatever you're going through this morning, God can redeem you. God's best in your relationships is to be whole and holy. And only He can do that. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you just need to come and ask for forgiveness. Just like me, you used to walk in your youthful lust and your youthful shame and your passions motivated all your desires. God can restore that. God can redeem that. And so in this moment, as we sing this song about Jesus, about God being our our healer, about being our promise keeper. May you come to this altar and make, make right your relationship with Jesus. Anybody, come right now. If God's speaking to your heart right now, come. Maybe it's couples needing to come to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, I want my marriage to be set apart from here on out. Come. As we sing, I encourage you to just just meditate. Just think about what God's doing right here in this moment in your heart and in your life. If you need to come, come. And if there's anybody here that just wants to come and circle around people and just lift them up, do so. I want to open it up as well. Maybe there's somebody that you are interceding that's in your family that's going astray. Come, pray for them. My grandparents were one of my, my people that was praying for me. There was people in my life pastors that was praying for me when I was going through my desires may we come and we pray and intercede on their behalf this morning so this altar is open no judgment here this morning it's just God wanting to restore relationships no matter what it is come come